1: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So let's dig right in, shall we? Well, they say that timing is everything bear with me for a moment does anyone else feel like the recent events all share some interesting timing the impeachment hoax was still wet when the virus came to town scarf lady and a home scientists tied to big pharma demanded that everyone stay home close the economy don't wear masks Oh, no, I mean, now you must wear masks, while insane governors make and break rules to lock up businesses and normal human behavior for the sake of the collective good, or so they say. People can't work, no money, can't go outside, parks are closed, food restrictions and scarcity, the killing of nursing home residents. People are bound to unleash with or without their masks but notice that even though there were protests around the country to demand that their states be opened back up nothing got crazy violent hmm enter the minneapolis murder did we really watch a murder take place right before our eyes over and over and over again on television? No more mention of the virus. People burning buildings, looting, physical violence. Again, some with masks and some without. No social distancing and no mention of it, in fact, at least for the first few days. Now, maybe my eyes are messed up, but if you have some time, go to the Internet and find the picture of the police officer who allegedly committed the crime. It's all over the Internet. Then, look for the picture of the mugshot of the person they arrested, that alleged police officer. It, too, is all over the Internet. Does it look like the same person? Just saying that as the virus seemed to settle down and people were getting back to work, shops and businesses were slowly opening back up, now... Will the virus suddenly reappear as a problem due to protesters spreading the virus because of no social distancing? Infected droplets all over the place due to shouting and screaming? And the National Guard. It just seems like one way or the other, the military is destined to patrol a neighborhood near you. Just last week, for example, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced efforts to expand coronavirus testing in nursing homes. The governor said the Ohio National Guard will assist with testing under the newly created Congregate Care Unified Response Teams. Now, I don't know about you, but do you really think we need to bring boots into nursing homes? Haven't we done enough to those poor people? Does that sound scary to you? How would it feel to be a fragile little lady hunched over in your wheelchair all alone because your family is not allowed to be with you and a large man wearing a uniform and boots enters your room with a swab? Is there any kind of informed consent required? I mean, as a resident, do you have any rights to say yes or no to testing and to who administers the tests? I don't know. I'm just asking. So now, in tandem with military in nursing homes, we have military in the streets due to violence perpetrated by real unjust events? Or is it planned theater? I don't know. I'm thinking out loud today, and you may just call me goofy. But that's okay. I'd rather think and be goofy than not think and still be goofy. Anyway, Today I want to talk about again some risks and benefits of face masks and ask the question, is there an agenda? Someone else asks about this too. Dr. Alan Palmer wrote an article. I want to share some of it with you. He says, there has been a shifting of position on the use of face masks with the COVID-19 outbreak. And I mentioned this last week. Initially, it was not recommended. Then we had different signals from the U.S. Surgeon General and representatives of the CDC, the NIH, and other agencies. And more recently, the policies recommending wearing face masks has become more prevalent and often mandated in public places. So is there sound medical or scientific basis for the recommendations? Is there a legitimate rationale to do it to protect the vulnerable? And if so, at what cost to the rest of society? So there there are many important considerations, including the risk versus reward. So what are the risks versus the benefits? And would there be a partisan reason for some policymakers to push for one over the other? Because as unfortunate as it is, all decisions and policies have to be viewed from at least two lenses, politics, and who stands to benefit financially. Let's look at the two camps in the debate. The benefit is greater than the risk. Let's look at that. Proponents of face masks use the following arguments. We can prevent sick or asymptomatic infected people from infecting others by wearing masks. Now, there may be some credible evidence to suggest this, but in doing so, the infected person wearing the mask may be making their infection much worse as a result. The wear-them-only-in-a-medical-setting arguments that I'm going to talk about in a minute will prove this out. The N95 masks have been shown to block 95% of airborne particles with a median diameter of 0.3, whereas standard face masks may block 50 to 70% of particles depending on the mask. So there's a bit of a difference between the N95s and some homemade jobbers. They say... One of the rewards is if healthy people wear face masks, they will be protected from those that may be infective. We'll talk about that later. And also, if you wear a face mask, you are much likely to touch your nose, mouth, or eyes, which is where the vast majority of infections begin. So some claim this to be true, but an argument can surely be made. All you have to do is look around and watch people with their mask protocol that people handle their mask frequently when adjusting them on their face and to remove them and putting them on and all of this touching of the masks raise the potential that viral transmissions to the mask can then transfer to the nasal and oral cavities a recent video of the coronavirus task force news conferences has underscored this as dr fau chi and others from the task force are seen frequently fiddling with their masks in the background Now detractors from the regular use of face masks cite the following. They say face masks do not protect the wearer from transmission by others. The AMA released a position paper on masks, I mentioned it last week, that face masks should only be used by individuals who have symptoms of respiratory infections, such as coughing, sneezing, or fever. Face masks should also be worn by healthcare providers, by individuals who are taking care of or who are in close contact with people who have respiratory infections um, or who are otherwise directed by a doctor. They further go on to say face masks should not be worn by healthy individuals to protect themselves from acquiring respiratory infections because there is no evidence to suggest that face masks worn by healthy individuals are effective in preventing people from becoming ill. All right. Face masks restrict the elimination of virus, recirculating the virus into the nasals and sinus and upper respiratory passages. By wearing a mask, the exhaled viruses will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passages Entering the Olfactory Nerves and Travel into the Brain. That's an article by Russell Blaylock, published May Fourteenth, 2020. I have all of this on our website. Uh, Dr. Blaylock is a prominent retired neurosurgeon and author of health-related books. He says, in most instances, it enters the brain by way of the olfactory nerves, which is the smelling nerves, which connect directly with the area of the brain dealing with recent memory and memory consolidation. By wearing a mask, the exhaled viruses will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passages and travel to the brain. Wearing a face mask can cause headaches and reduce oxygen levels. A recent study involving 159 healthcare workers aged 21 to 35 years of age found that 81% of them developed headaches from wearing face masks. It is known that the N95 face mask, if worn for hours, can reduce blood oxygenation as much as 20%. And this oxygenation of blood is essential for energy, mental clarity, focus, and emotional well-being. Wearing a face mask causes one to rebreathe the carbon dioxide, the CO2, that the lungs are attempting to expel. This, in turn, reduces the immune response, negatively affects the epithelial cell functions, and those are the cells in the lungs and blood vessels, and lowers the amount of oxygen exchange across membranes. Wearing a face mask can increase your risk of infections. The last point discussed the drop of oxygen levels after wearing a mask. A drop in oxygen levels called hypoxia, is associated with an impairment in immunity, as I mentioned. Studies have shown that hypoxia can inhibit the type of main immune cells used to fight viral infections, called the CD4 plus T lymphocyte. So I'm not making this up. This occurs because the hypoxia increases the level of a compound, which inhibits the lymphocytes and stimulates a powerful immune inhibitor cell called Tregs. This sets the stage for contracting any infection, including COVID-19, and making the consequences of that infection much graver. In essence, your mask may very well put you at an increased risk of infection, and if so, having a much worse outcome. In addition, reduced oxygenation can accelerate cancer growth. Another, wearing face masks, is a constant reminder that we should fear this invisible enemy. There is no doubt that wearing a mask reinforces the worry and fear about COVID-19. We talked about this last week. Even being in public without wearing a mask and seeing that most people are wearing masks leaves one with a sense of angst. Fear, worry, and anxiety are powerful immune-suppressing emotions. What are some government agencies saying? On April 27, 2020, the Ventura County of California Public Health Department released a pros and cons, a one-sheet summary about face masks. They said, there is a very slight protective advantage to wearing a medical mask, as opposed to wearing nothing at all in a community setting. The risk of acquiring a viral infection is reduced by 6%. 6%. There is more evidence to support the use of medical masks for short periods of time by particularly vulnerable individuals when in transient, high-risk situations. But what else does it say? It says, available evidence shows that cloth masks may even increase the risk of infection due to moisture, liquid diffusion, and retention of the virus. Penetration of particles through cloth is reported to be high Although common fabric cloth masks are not considered protective against respiratory viruses, and their use should not be encouraged. CDC, this is from the CDC.gov. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and poor filtration may result in increased risk of infection. The virus may survive on the surface of the face masks. Self-contamination through repeated use and improper doffing is possible. Textile materials that can be used for cloth masks, and I've often thought of this, can contain harmful chemicals and dyes, such as formaldehyde. Prolonged exposure to formaldehyde can cause cancer. Wearing cloth masks in public can create a false sense of security and complacency in which people may neglect other hygiene practices. Frequent washing and drying of a cloth mask can decrease the filtration capacity of the mask. There is also some question as to the size and concentration of the actual aerosols generated during coughing. That's unknown. Particles of 0.04 to 0.2 can penetrate surgical masks. The size of the sars COVID particle from 2002 to 2004, that outbreak, the size was estimated to be 0.08 to 0.14. Now, if we want to assume that the COVID-19 has a similar size, Then surgical masks are unlikely to effectively filter the virus. Just throwing that one out there. The conclusion of the Russell Blaylock, Dr. Russell Blaylock's article states the following. It is evident from this review that there is insufficient evidence that wearing a mask of any kind can have a significant impact in preventing the spread of this virus. The fact that this virus is a relatively benign infection for the vast majority of the population and That most of the at risk group also survive. From an infectious disease and epidemiological standpoint, by letting the virus spread through the healthier population, we will reach a herd immunity level rather quickly that will end this pandemic quickly and prevent a return next winter. During this time, we need to protect the at risk population by avoiding close contact, boosting their immunity with compounds that boost cellular immunity. And in general care for them now one should not attack and insult those who have chosen not to wear a mask or to wear a mask but just throwing out these studies just suggesting that the wise choice be made so let's just talk briefly what's the motivation behind the mask given all that information I just gave you it's time to ask the obvious question what would be the possible motivation for pushing the narrative about face masks and, in some cases, even mandatory face masks rule? Here's a hypothesis, according to the article, in the form of two questions. It implies malintent, which obviously we can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, but just to indulge this author for a moment, in the end, each person must decide for themselves. So here we go. If you wanted to prevent the population from gaining herd immunity, which would further support the need and desire for a vaccine, what would be the best way to do it? Second question, if you were successful at preventing people from developing natural immunity by keeping all the healthy and young, low-risk people apart from one another, and thus wanted to increase the chances for a second wave of the virus in a few months, or maybe in a few weeks after the rioting and protesting, we're saying, how could you increase the chances of those people becoming infected and ensuring a second wave once they are released from quarantine and begin mingling? Now, just briefly, remember last week I talked about the uh, drug manufacturers in the UK who were saying, gee, we sure wish this virus sticks around a little bit longer because right now our chances of a successful vaccine is dropping because there's no one to test it on because the virus is no longer here. All right. Now match those two questions with these answers. A, suppress their immune systems with fear, loss of income, lack of exercise and sunshine, and face masks whenever going away from home. And B, keep the young and healthy people at home and sequestered from each other. If you paired 1 with B and 2 with A, my question 1 with answer B and question 2 with question A, congratulations! Welcome to the growing number of free-thinking people who are connecting the dots. One thing for certain is that so many people have taken the wearing of face masks and social distancing to a bizarre extreme. A few days ago, I saw one woman in the neighborhood out for a walk in the heat of the day. I commented to her that it sure was a hot time of day to be out for a walk. She looked at me with an odd look of concern on her face and said, yeah, but at least there are no other people out now. Other common examples are the people driving alone in their car with a face mask on and people walking through parking lots and down uncrowded sidewalks or at a park wearing face masks. Now, my purpose on mentioning these examples is not to be condescending or critical of individuals that are overly fearful or who are unaware of the harm face masks may cause them. These individuals have been duped by a complicit media that has continued to run with the absolutely, ridiculously, outrageously inaccurate models we've talked about and never adjust their level of hype and fear-mongering long after those models have been exposed for what they were. Ridiculous. And in the meantime, people that are living with an irrational level of fear as a result are being harmed physically and emotionally. So, going forward, as we learn about the miscalculations from the hugely exaggerated models, the inaccurate coding and calculations of COVID 19 deaths bloating the numbers, the large percentages of people who are already immune because they have had the infection and recovered, many not even knowing they were sick we realized that the mortality rate from COVID-19 is nowhere near what we had thought. Then there are the mistakes made, if you want to call them that, within nursing homes and long-term care facilities, including sending positive COVID patients into those facilities and the mistakes with the way we treated many cases with ventilators. In a retrospective analysis of all these factors, I think we're going to realize that mortality from COVID-19 is not even as bad as a normal flu and pneumonia season. Now, that's not to say initially that we shouldn't have viewed COVID-19 as a serious potential health crisis. But let's have some concern for the destruction of the economy loss of jobs, loss of small businesses, the effects on marriages and families, skyrocketing mental health disorders, stress-related diseases and deaths due to despair and loss of hope. People not getting the medical attention for things like heart issues, blood pressure and cancer that they otherwise would have gotten if they had access to hospitals and routine procedures. These are all of the unintended intended, unintended, intended, I don't know, consequences of what we have already done. And if we continue to ignore the new evidence of data, we will certainly cause much more harm than good. Going forward with the current situation and uh, should the viral outbreak occur in the future, risk versus benefit of every decision must be considered. But guess what? Clearly, we are not the ones making the
0: decisions. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. No, you've been a good.
1: I recently narrated and produced an audiobook for author Joni Dark Shepherd. The book is titled Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. Most of you know that I was a caretaker for my mom for nearly a decade and also have been rescued by 13 cats, so Joni's book resonated. Her boundless love and commitment to both her mother and sister as they battled cancer was raw, real, and revealing. As the darkness of these times descended upon her, she discovered and allowed the love of her dogs, especially Rio, to light up her life. Joni Dark Shepherd and the honest portrayal of her journey left me crying, smiling, and feeling happy. And isn't that what a good book is supposed to do? A compassionate and passionate read. Get yourself a copy today. Visit Amazon.com or the website website joanandrio.com. I guarantee you'll love the book, Rio, A Love Story, How My Dog Saved My Life. Visit joanandrio.com. Hi there, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the host of Mrs. Green's World, and I personally invite you to become a part of our movement. We show up every day to help create the change we wish to see because we care deeply about this great planet of ours. The guests I interview inspire ways of living that are healthy, sustainable, and socially just. We discuss real issues by leveraging experts and science to get trustworthy information. Please visit our website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. Superbugs like MRSA live in hospitals and they infect thousands of patients. Stay safe with Hospital Helper Organic Essential Oil Spray. Headaches, nerve pain, anxiety, can't sleep? We've got solutions. Visit the shop page at speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Visit the shop page at speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Well, my friend, another rant by me. Just quite curious about the timing of everything these days. So... We're going to head out again this week, but I want you to pay attention to timing. As, as we watch the news and as things unfold, things that get talked about repeatedly, things that don't get talked about at all, just asking you to think about timing. And while you're thinking, head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com, and think about getting a copy of my books. Really necessary these days. Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers and How to Avoid Them. It's still happening out there, folks. They're just not talking about it. So head over to speakupandstayalive.com. You can email me. If you have anything you really want to talk about with me, email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com. Pat at speakupandstayalive.com. I am more able to get back to you via email than I am by phone. I'm just receiving hundreds and hundreds of phone calls, and it's seriously physically impossible to get back to folks. I do listen to all of them, and I do hear you, and I appreciate what you have to say. So if you feel that you want to leave me a message, please do. I am listening, and I so appreciate your appreciation for what it is that I am doing. In fact, I love hearing that from you. It uh, it lets me know that people are out there and people are listening. And as I said, it's difficult for me to get back to you um just because of the volume of what's coming in, especially during these times. So if you want to have any kind of a conversation with me, please email me. Pat at speakupandstayalive.com. That's just the best way to get a hold of me right now. All right. We gotta go. Stay safe this week, stay awake, stay alive, stay sane, stay happy, and pay attention. I love that you tune in each week. Please come back next week. Same time, same place, but never the same information. Until then, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. Aware of timing. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety.
0: The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440 725 5462 Until next week. Remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive.
1: Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, host of Speak Up and Stay Alive. Set your radio dial to WHK AM 1420 every Sunday afternoon at 2:30, or you can listen on Saturday mornings at 8:30 on WHKW AM 1220. For more, visit speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.